Bang! What's up, y'all? I'm Nick, a senior writer over here at Sports Pack 12, and this is going to be our mailbag question segment. So I'll be answering the questions you sent in here in a podcast format, and if you'd like a written response, send them over to fellow senior writer and Dane Miller. And so in all seriousness, I have a lot of fun answering these questions. They take my research and my thinking all over the conference. And one point I want to reiterate is I'm just like you. I'm a Pac-12 fan, so in all seriousness, we're one and the same. We may cheer for different schools, but hey, we're all Pac-12 fans in the end. We're very similar. So from down south to the Arizona schools, to up north to the Washington schools, to east out in Utah and Colorado, we got Oregon and Cali in between. And in our entirety, we make up the Pac-12 conference. And even though we compete against each other during the year, let's come together for this podcast and have a heck of a lot of fun. So without further ado, let's get to today's question. And thanks for tuning in as always. Happy beginning of the week, y'all. Football season is almost here. Assuming it comes back, we, we, we do got to be 100% that... 100%. 100% sure that we're coming back, but it looks like it may happen. Not trying to get some false hopes up, but it may happen. So with that, our question is in from Willie in Fontana, California, and it reads, which is the worst football team in the Pac-12 South this year? So pretty straightforward question. I appreciate it, Willie. No commentary, no dual question. Again, just one straightforward question, and it reads, which is the worst football team in the Pac-12 South this year? I was like literally heard myself repeat. So anyways, there's only three real options. You got UCLA, you got Colorado, and you got Arizona. And so out of those three, my gut says the buffs. And there's really a multitude of reasons. But just looking at it, we'll start on the offensive side here. So looking on the offense, they lost LaVisca Chenault Jr. and Tony Brown. In between that duo of wideouts, You lost over 1,600 yards of production and 10 touchdowns. And more so than that, you've probably heard me talk about this a lot, but I'm going to give you a new way to kind of analyze this, break this down, understand this. So if you're a quarterback, you understand how important it is to have that one wide out who can essentially win in man-to-man coverage, you want to say 85% of the time. And that's not an exact statistic, but that's how it felt watching LaVisca Chenault. It felt like if he was in man-to-man, more, more, more times than not, he was going to win that battle. So if you've ever played Madden, or you're a quarterback in real life, you'll understand how this really just simplifies everything. You don't need to worry about man-to-man or blitzes out of a man-based coverage scheme because you can just essentially throw the ball in that receiver's direction and they're going to make a play. At the very worst, they're going to bat it down. So it really just allows the quarterback to focus more on the zones and what type of zone is going to be sent their way, cover two, cover three, cover four. We're not getting into all the zones right here in football. But again, just having that one stand out makes it so much easier on the quarterback. It really does. It, it changes everything, like literally everything. So you're looking at the 1,600 yards of production and again, 10 touchdowns. And this is including Tony Brown's stats as well. He was also a very solid wideout. But LaVisca Chenault was that guy. He just drew the attention. Again, you play Madden. You've been a quarterback. You know exactly what I'm talking about and how invaluable of a weapon it truly is. Wideouts may act like prima donnas at times. That's because they can change the game. 
really more so than any other position in one play. So looking a little bit deeper here, kind of stat-wise, not going to go too statty today. In 2019, Colorado ranked 83rd in the nation in total offense, and the Buffs were in the lower half of 130 FBS teams in most team statistics. And on top of that, they finished 100th in the nation, only scoring 23.5 points per game. So this team was 100th in the nation in scoring and lost their two best threats, plus a very formidable senior quarterback who broke a lot of records at Colorado. I may have a different opinion on him than most people, but the stats and the production speaks for itself. So just losing all of that, I mean, from a bad offense again, last year, 23.5 points per game and 100th in the nation. So offensively, they're pretty bare this year. And that, that's been kind. I mean, they are they got nothing. You're looking at the offensive line. They're going to need some help. I mean, you can't block. You have no real wideouts who can consistently win a one-on-one. You have a new quarterback. And just all these things added up, along with the departure of Mel Tucker. And again, I'll dive into that a little bit deeper. So on the offensive side of the ball, let me slow it down here. There may be a little extra kick in my green tee this morning. I'm not sure. A little, little extra boost or something. But again, just to slow it down, bad offense last year. You lost your two best threats. You don't have a good offensive line. And you have a new quarterback. Got it. Simple enough. You're looking at some players because I always do want to kind of, you know, give a some love to the kids out here. You got Alex Fontenot at halfback or running back along with Jared Mangham. And those are two names to consider. But with no offensive line and no deep threat, they're going to be going against really stacked boxes. So, I mean, <laughs> they're probably not going to have good years. Just those are some names that they're out there. And their best threat is probably a guy you can consider a gadget type player. He's Katie Nixon. He's technically a wideout, I believe. Don't quote me on that. Could be considered a running back. I, I'd consider him a wideout. But again, don't quote me. But it's hard to build consistency when you have a gadget guy as your most prominent weapon on offense. I mean, and that's the thing. You really need consistency on offense. At least one guy who can get you consistent yardage. And you're probably not getting that out of Nixon. you got to find different ways to get the ball. So on offense, you can see extremely bare. Extremely, extremely just, <laughs> just bad, man. On defense, and Buffs fans don't want to hear it, but it is facts. The loss of Mel Tucker has got to hurt them on defense. And, I mean, his pedigree was absolutely outstanding. Working under national championship caliber teams and coaches, you're not going to find that every day. Carl Jarrell could be a great coach in his own right, but on defense, I'm probably going to give the, the edge to Mel Tucker every single time. And one thing I think that, like, people may not remember last year is that they weren't that actually good on defense yet. They won five games, so they were all right in terms of their win-loss record. But defensively, they finished 96 in the nation, allowing 31.8 points per game. They're allowing four and a half touchdowns a game. Ouch. And how can you expect this team to get better this year when you lost Mel Tucker? It, it, it just doesn't add up. You're looking for some names to really kind of carry on defense. Nate Landman is a stud. I believe he's a preseason All-Pac-12 first-team pick and likely at the end of the year will retain his role on that same squad or same team. You're looking at a Mustafa Johnson, defensive end. He's coming off a struggling year. He had a very solid year, two, I think two seasons ago, but last, last season again he struggled. So you're looking at a struggling player as your second-best defensive option. 
that that can't bode well. I mean, that can't bode well. And again, Nate Landman, though, is one name to remember on Colorado. He's a great linebacker and a very, very, very good defensive leader. And he's going to lay the fire. He's going to hit someone. Man, this guy's got the hit stick, man. Saying with those Madden references, this boy hits, man. He ain't playing around. So, essentially, on defense, there's no other names that you're going to really want to remember. So, yeah. <laughs> Again, just you're looking at a team very bad at defense last year and lost one of the best defensive coaches in all of college football. Ouch. Ouch. So all around, to quickly recap, extremely weak offense. Most notably, the loss of LaVisca Chenault. Defense struggled last year. Losing Mel Tucker, not going to help him. And you want one final little kind of note a little dig into Buffs fans are not going to like this my mom always said dig you know a little dig a little pinch in the side essentially this program has had a bad taste in their mouth all offseason since Tucker's departure to Michigan State and they had nothing to take their mind off of it no spring ball you can't even go out to a freaking club right now so nothing like they've just been kind of sitting there with this bad taste in their mouth and Carl Durrell is walking into much tougher circumstances than Tucker was last year so I just can't see it going well this season. Long term, this team may be all right. But this season, I'm thinking they're really, really, really going to suffer. Just really going to struggle. But I always like to leave you with a little hope for a Buffs fan. Because every Buffs fan is probably mad at me right now. Well, you guys suck. So deal with it. You guys ain't winning-ish, baby. You, you deal with it. But I will give you a little hope for real. You're looking at their early season schedule. You've at Colorado State. Fresno State. Then you got two tough games in between, then at Arizona and UCLA. So they could very reasonably start off four and two. And if a team gets momentum, anything is possible. Tr- truly, you know, in college football, a team gets momentum. You start off four and two, team won't win the South. That's for darn sure. But hey, you know, you can make a bowl and that'd be a heck of a first year for Durrell. So again, two games. I'm not going to read through all six games again. You want to remember two pivotal games this season which will really dictate how the Buffs ultimately, <laughs> are. They, how bad are they going to be? You're looking at, at Arizona and then UCLA the following week. And this could very reasonably lead them to a 4-2 start and maybe a bowl game. Again, I that ain't happening in my mind, but there is hope. You can also look at the fact that the South is extremely weak this year. And just from a pure talent perspective, they could literally beat every team in the South with the exception of USC. ASU has a terrible offensive line. Utah, we don't know enough about them, and they're in the midst of a scandal themselves. So again, there is some hope. It's not very reasonable that Colorado's going to be in like a second place or third place in the South, but hey, there it, it is possible this year, for sure. So again, thank you for the question. I appreciate it, Willie. And because we always like to do one final summary, offense, Nothing in Las LaVisca Chenault. Defense, Mel Tucker gone, and no one is there. Thank you for tuning in. I'm trying to think of something random today, but you know what? We're focused. We out of here. Y'all have a great day. And again, seriously, thank you for the question, Willie, from Fontana.